From the studios at WFN, this is Mike Zahn, Francesca on the fan on this Monday, the 11th day of February. Uh, so maybe some snow on the way tomorrow. But uh, today, a busy program, as you've heard in the promo, or you might have heard a couple of times. We will chat with the uh, very uh, upfront and outfront ma- general manager of the New York Mets, uh, Brody Van Wagenen, will join us at uh, 5.30 this afternoon. So... Uh, we'll get the state of the Mets from the guy who has been very, very out front and very confident, to say the least, about the team that he has put forth. And uh, we will get exactly that declaration. He's already told you how good he thinks the team is. And we will uh, kind of go through that with him this afternoon. We promised we would when he was done. They're done. And now we get a chance to do it this afternoon. So we're looking forward to it. Uh uh, he said he was looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. So uh, 5.30 this afternoon, we will chat with the uh, new Met general manager now that he has put his team on a track for spring training. That's where we are. And, uh, you know, you never know where you're going to get your moments in February. And wasn't expecting it from my least favorite golf tournament. I hate Pebble Beach. I hate Pebble Beach because they play three courses. I hate Pebble Beach because of the amateurs. Okay, I can't stand watching the amateurs play. I get so tired of seeing the Bill Murray thing year after year. It's like he could run a rerun. I mean, enough, enough. I mean, listen, nothing against Bill Murray. You know, fine comedian, good actor. I'm just tired of watching the same rigmarole with the golf. I can't see, uh, you know, and the guys laugh the same thing every year. I mean, enough, enough. You know, it's not funny anymore. It's just the same thing. It's just, it's old. Um, but the and Ray Romano, I didn't see Ray Romano either. You know, nice guy, good comedian, but who cares? I want to see his golf game. Uh, the bottom line is that actually held them up yesterday. You know, they had a wicked hailstorm, which you can get really cold weather. I was at that course two years ago, or three years ago, and we were there for about five days, my wife and I, and it was in the morning, like 45 degrees. It was freezing there. I mean, you could get the coldest, you can get the coldest dawn weather there. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's wicked there. Uh, and they got this hailstorm. But what really slowed it up, and Phil was ticked last night if you watched it. I watched it right up until they flipped to the Grammys, and then I didn't watch the beginning of the Grammys. My kids were watching the Grammys in the other room. I watched the golf on the golf channel once they switched over because they had to go at seven to the red carpet on CBS to so go over to the golf channel to watch them. And Phil really wanted to finish last night and Paul Casey didn't. It was pretty funny to watch. Paul Casey's now second. Phil has blown by him like a train. I mean, he's gone right by him. He went from three behind to three in front, six holes. Either he birdied it or Casey bogeyed it. And that made up the difference. Now Phil's gone from, you know, two back to three in front and Phil wants to steamroll it. He wants to finish. He wants to go. I can see, I can see fine. And Casey's like, we can't see. I can't see. I can't putt. I can't. And Casey's playing now for second. Let's be honest. He's three strokes back. He's tied for second. And he's the guy who doesn't want to play. And Phil wants to play. But what really held it up, the bottom line is, if they didn't have an amateur with him, which is not the amateur's fault, the guy who was with them the whole time, the guy who was with him hit the ball great all day. He didn't putt great, but he hit the ball great. He was an executive from Federal Express. Hit the ball really well. I mean, you know, his approach shots, he made, hit the green every time. He hit the green more than the pros did, but he didn't make any putts. The, the bottom line is that slowed him down just enough that they couldn't finish. They had to go back and finish today, which they did, and Phil did in a matter-of-fact fashion, which is bad if you're a Phil fan. Why? Because here it is, Phil winning in the AT&T at Pebble for the fifth time. Okay, great. 
Phil loves the course. That's great. Phil has one quest left, and Mickelson fans have one quest left, and that is for Phil to win the Grand Slam, meaning that he wins all four majors. He has not won the U.S. Open, despite all his second-place finishes. The problem is the U.S. Open this year is at Pebble. What are the odds you're going to win Pebble in February and come back and win Pebble in June? It's not going to happen. I mean, the odds on that happening now are so minuscule. It just does, that never happens. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. And I understand the layout's different anyway. It's a U.S. Open layout, which makes it harder for Phil because he doesn't hit enough fairways. We understand that. The other day, Phil though, on Friday, Phil hit every fairway. That's right. He hadn't done it since he hadn't done it since twenty like twenty three years. He had not had a day where he had every fairway. He had every fairway on the day. Every one. He was fourteen for fourteen. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, he hadn't. I mean, that's so atypical of Phil Mickelson. But he played great yesterday. Made putts. Hit some great approaches, hit some wild drives, and then some incredible scramble shots, which is typical Phil. Casey kind of lost his way a little bit, missed some shots, you know, missed some approaches and missed some putts that he should have made. And now Phil went from a couple of strokes behind to now a couple of strokes in front, and he was mowing along. And here we got, as it starts to get darker, now when you're watching on TV through there, through the cameraman's lens, it looks brighter than it really is. Because they get the iris on the camera wide open and it looks a lot brighter than it really is. They show you the two differences once in a while. But here's the bottom line. They, Phil putts out, almost drains the long putt on 16, taps in. Casey's got a media, you get a six-footer. Casey's hesitant saying, I don't think we can finish, so uh, why do I put this? Phil wants to go to 17, and he's saying to the Marshall, hey, I don't want to cause a trouble here, but I, want, I can see fine, I want to go. Let's just go to 17 and hit it, and let's just take off. Well, Casey's won't, has planted himself on 16, and you can tell Phil is in a burn. He is so mad, it's unbelievable. He wants, he's leading this tournament by three strokes. He wants to get on his jet last night with the trophy and sleep in his own bed. He wants no part of this. He figures, I go to 17, I knock off 17, I go to 18, I hit my drive, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm finishing. I don't care if I do it by flashlight. I got a three-stroke lead. I'm getting out of here. I'll hit my second shot. I'll hit a nice little uh, second shot safe. I'll hit my third onto the green and put it in, and that's it. We'll get out of here. Goodbye. And, you know, I know 18 like the back of my hand. Boom, boom, we get out of here. That's what he's got planned. Casey's like, well, we're not finishing anyway. We can't play 18, so I don't have to put this out. Well, you can see, Phil is stomping around. He is in a burn. When they finally interviewed him, and now we know we're coming back, Phil said, hey, I understand. I'm going well. He's trying to change things up a little bit, so I would probably do the same. He calmed down a little bit. He said he understood Casey's position. But frankly, I would be mad if I were Phil, too. I think the guy leading the tournament should call the shots. Casey's tied for second. I understand that him and his finishing second and getting the FedEx points and everything is important to him compared to Phil, who's just 
at a stage in his life where he's hopping on his own jet. Casey's flying, you know, probably, you know, not on his own jet. Phil has his own plane. So, I mean, it's a whole different world. I understand that. But you could just see the two, the two different approaches. And it was really funny to watch as it got darker and darker at Pebble. And the last couple, he started to run the... He run. He started running the amateur around to guy like cover him up. It was pretty funny to watch because he really was trying to finish, and he thought if he could get that shot, he could get that that tee shot off at seventeen. And he thought he could. He somehow miraculously was going to finish. And you watch Piercy playing eighteen with Glover and a couple of the guys. Instead of picking up and doing it this morning, he missed. A couple of putts he probably would have made, and he was mad that he did it. You could tell because it knocked him out of the top ten, and that probably was something he needed for exemptions and everything else. So he was a little ticked. Bottom line is it's up to you whether you want to do it or not. Casey didn't want to. Phil did. So they had to come back this morning. They did. Matter of fact, and Phil winds up with a a very impressive uh, AT&T. Good win for him. He's had a very good California swing, West Coast swing. They uh, they go down to Riviera this week, which is, you know, a horse for the course. Bubba Watson watched this week because he loves that course. Um, but he's playing really well. The question is, is there any way to think that he could possibly go back there in June to this course that he loves, which he just won for the fifth time this year, and somehow finally win his U.S. Open, hard to see it. And harder to see it once he won yesterday. Just is. He just going you know, to win twice on the same course in the same year? Hard to do. Really. Not that Phil could probably win with a U.S. Open layout anymore anyway. I don't know if he can. But, boy, he played well yesterday and uh, really picked it up and had a great run between holes, I'd say, 8 through 15. He really played it wonderfully. He really did, and uh, went on to a uh, comfortable three-stroke lead, so a very good win, very good win for him. Very positive, uh, and a very good start to the season for him. He's played very well so far. He really has. So that's a, that's a big positive as they hit the Riviera, and then they'll start uh, Riviera, and then I think next week after that is the Honda. I think, I think they, the Florida's right afterwards, so I think the Florida swing is... I think it's after next week. I think it's Riviera then. I believe it's Riviera then then to the Honda. I'm I'm pretty sure that's when they make the swing to uh to, let's see, we got that. Um no, I'm wrong. We have the No, no, I'm right. No, let's see. 28th. No, they go to the World Golf Championships. The next week. A lot of guys don't play in that though. It's in, it's in Mexico and then they go to the Honda. The Honda's the 28th of March 3rd. So this week coming up is Riviera. Beautiful course. Like I said, horse for the course. Couples plays well there. Bubba Watson plays well there. Riviera is a great course. Uh, then they go to the World Championships in Mexico. And then comes the then comes the Honda. Then Arnie's tournament. Then the players. Remember this year, the players is in March. And the PGA is in May. So you have it right through this year. You know, no longer do you have the gap. So you have you have the players in March 
and then you have obviously the Masters, and then you have in May you have the PGA at Beth Page. Here, the 16th to the 19th. So this is the first year the PGA comes to May. This is the way it's going to stay from now on. Players is in March, PGA in May, so that really you have the players in March, Masters in April, you know, the uh, PGA in May, the Open in June, and then the British Open in July. That's where you are. So they move everything now. So no longer PGA in uh, August. Now it's in uh, May, and it's right here. Uh, in our backyard at Beth Page this May 16th through the uh, 19th. That's where it is this year. That, so uh, you got a lot going on in golf as it, the players is not that far away. The players is a month away. And then you go right to the Masters. And that's a great time because you got the players, then you got the NCAA tournament, and then you have obviously opening day, and then right to the Masters, and away you go. So. That's what we have to look forward to. But first, we've got to get through the next uh, couple of weeks here. Uh, Kareem Hunt signs with the Browns. Uh, the little quarterback decides, I'm going to play baseball, maybe, and football. So Murray's in the mix now. How high does he get drafted? Duke beats Virginia the other day. They now stamped themselves as the number one team. They were the number one team anyway as the first uh, 16 seeding comes out. They had advanced seeding they do now. Not that it means anything. I always say the first day that you start to pay attention for the NCAA tournament to what teams do is February 10th. That was always my my deadline. From before it's February 10th, over here, after February 10th, I take everything seriously. This is now your team. So when you see a team like playing like Kentucky's playing now, or you see a team playing really well now, or a team that's tapering off now, this is when you get serious. This is when your kids are grown up. This is when your freshmen are no longer freshmen. They've got 20 games under their belt. They've played a season. They're now guys. They understand the mix. They now have taken their leadership positions. They know what they're doing. They know where they are. Nova lost a tough one-pointer, but again, I think it showed a lot of metal for them. For some reason... Booth, who had done so much down the stretch, decided to try and not pass, try to pass the ball, which was a mistake. He should have taken the shot. He had it uh, and didn't get the shot off. And they lose. Duke beats Virginia. Beat them, you know, beat them because they just knocked down 9 million uh, outside shots. They beat them because Barrett and Reddish were, ele- were combined were 11 for 18 from three. That's why they won against a team that usually holds people to like 30-something percent from three. They were 11 for 18, the two of them from three. That's, in a game like that, that's more than anybody can make up. That means on, you look at that this way, that means on 30, you say 11 for 18, that means on 18 possessions, if you took it into two-pointers, they would have made 17 out of 18 two-pointers on 18 trips. How are you going to beat that in a game? Big game, two top teams, and at one stretch in the game, they're going to make 17 of 18 trips. That's the same level of doing that as doing 11 for 18 for three. Unbeatable when you play like that. 
So that's where we are. We've got a lot to get to. And as we said, Brody at 530 for all you Met fans and baseball fans. We've been waiting to chat with him now that his team is a product that he is ready to take to spring training. Just how good does he really think it is? We'll find out at 530. Get your calls right after this.